two, one. Oh, <laughs> I click record. Ready? You have chocolate in your mouth. I know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Three, I'm two, chaotic. one. <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hi. And welcome back, back to another fun, flirty, fabulous, chocolatey episode. Of this this is in therapy. therapy. The podcast about all the stuff people are talking to their therapists about. Oh. My name is Jake Ernst. I'm so happy to be back this week. Yeah, you are. I'm a therapist in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And you can follow me at MSW Jake. Okay. Who, who are you? My name is Hot Steamy Solo Sessions with Simon. Hello, hi. Hey. Hi. Um, no, my name is Simon Palak. I'm a filmmaker in Toronto. And you can follow me at Directed by Simon. And you can follow this podcast at Not a Therapy Podcast. Woo! Yes. And now each week on the pod, except for last week when Jake wasn't here because he was sick, but. Oops. His temperature is back to normal. Yeah, whoopsies. Whoopsies. <laughs> and he's here and he's queer. And he has things to talk about. Oh, I have things to say in my crystal clear voice. (laughs) Yeah. Did you hear that, everyone? So each week on the pod, when Jake is not ill, we open up our doors here on the This Isn't Therapy Ranch. And Jake and I, we're two flirty, fabulous little friends. We have grubby little paws. We reach into the therapy room. We pull out a theme, a factoid, a topic, something that's floating around in the ether. And we just have a casual Kelly conversation about it. Mm -hmm. Why? Mm Mm-hmm. It's because therapy themes are everywhere everywhere you look. I've been waiting to say that for a week. (laughs) You have. I I take a week off and Um, I am like freshly back. She's back. Exactly. The most back she's ever been. Right. And so why should these conversations only happen in the therapy room? Well, we keep saying that because this isn't therapy, mama. This is. This is my comeback era. This is, I'm, this is, I'm back. I'm back, baby. I'm I'm slamming the table. Did you hear that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I am so happy to be back, y'all. And I'm not to make this like a big thing, like a big grand entrance, yeah. but I am like, I was missing y'all last week. And listen, RGMs were popping off, Mary. Fucking A. <laughs> they were going so wild. We got art sent to us. We got we DMs sent our we way. Did. We got really great questions. We did. Coming in the feed, which we can't wait to get to at the end of the episode. Oh my God. It is, um, I'm happy you're back. Thank you. It was really lonely last week. <laughs> it's just me and that me in my office being like, Ar-ru-ru-ru. I have I have to say when I did listen back, I was fully in obsession with you all over again. Me? I oh I think you nailed Ow. it. You nailed it, sweetie. Thanks, like Mama. it was. I was that that Chris Jenner with the camera being yeah. like, "You go, sweetie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing great, sweetie. Amy po- doing Amy Poehler. Yes, and girls. exactly. I know exactly. Clock the reference. <laughs> you're, you're doing great. Check sweetie. your watch because yes. I just clocked that reference. <laughs> do you like how I used Chris Jenner and not the original yeah, reference, yeah. But, which but, is Amy Poehler? But do you love how I knew what you were talking about? Yes, exactly. References on references on references because we have the same brain sandwich. <laughs> Speaking of sandwiches, on today's episode, on today's episode of the podcast, <laughs> today we're gonna have a fun flirty fabulous conversation Uh about this idea of can therapy fix everything now (sighs) we are going to structure today's episode on an article in time magazine which we'll um reference in a hot second but i think let's just ground this conversation as to why we arrived at this topic right here right now on the pod yeah i mean well you know what this well this is just such a heavy time i think in our world in you know, just emotionally and just there's just so much that we're holding at this current moment, right? I think there's a lot going on in the world and 
one of the th- one of the things that I often think about in times of hardship, and no matter where we kind of come to it from, like whatever sort of context we sit with at this time, like I think that we all just have to remember that we are all human, mm-hmm. and humans have go through really hard things. And from the beginning of time, we have survived really hard things. And unfortunately, like just the way that we're structured is we have our base impulses, right? That like really kind of all collapse in moments of struggle. And Mm -hmm. so I think that the challenge here that I personally am experiencing is just like, where do I participate? How do I show up? What's the right way to be a good human? Mm -hmm. What's the progressive way to approach this conversation? Yeah. And I know you and I have kind of really sat with a lot of this, Mm -hmm. um, the layers of this. And so, you know, I'm thinking about things like the Israel and Hamas war. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of like climate injustice. I'm thinking of just all like the housing crisis that we're experiencing here in Canada. It's just mm-hmm. there's a ton of stuff, right, that we're sitting with. Yeah. And it's all very heavy. So no matter what point in time you're revisiting this episode, maybe these things aren't kind of front and center. I really hope that this can be a conversation today where we do kind of sit with that question of can therapy fix everything mm-hmm. and number one should have to Mm -hmm. and number two was that ever what it promised to do interesting Mm -hmm. so yeah there's there's a lot to get to and so for today we're going to root this conversation in an article in time like i mentioned and we're going to post it in the the show notes below so make sure you read it and form your own opinions as always jake and i we're just having a conversation about this but by no means are we this does the conversation stop Start and stop here with right. this episode. Right. Um, do your own research. Form your own opinions. Um, so the article is called America Has Reached Peak Therapy. Why is our mental health getting worse? By Jamie Duke Arm. Ducharme. 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 So yeah, give that a read. Um, but in the meantime, let's just dive right into our first segment. Yeah, let's take a little spinny spin, a quick mm-hmm. break, and we'll be right back. And we'll do a quick temperature check. <laughs> yeah, because we love a temperature check. It's kind of feeling a bit cold and hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, bend over. Time to take your temperature. Okay, BRP. We're back. We're so very back. Oh. Finally, okay. we're the most back we've ever been in fact. Jake's temperature is normal, just in case, for those keeping record at home. Just in case. Yeah, yeah. So as we were saying, yes, it's a very heavy and hard time. Uh, and it's a really difficult time to be human right now. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to have a conversation as we are kind of thinking like, hey, what is something that is relevant and important to talk about right now? We wanted to surface this conversation of can therapy fix everything? Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, there's this amazing article that was from the summer actually um, that was talking about the ways that the current kind of health and therapy uh, system is structured is really just not set up for success in many ways. Yeah. And so we're going to get into it. I'm going to read the first uh, segment and it is called Locus of Control. Ooh. And it goes like this. Okay. A lot of people are suffering from material conditions and are having a reasonable, rational human response to suffering, says Mancuso, the musician from Texas. But in his experience, the psychiatric system doesn't always acknowledge the range of factors that can influence mental health, from personal trauma all the way up to the geopolitical climate, and instead seems more focused on getting people diagnosed, medicated, and out the door. Ouch. Ouch. So I think just based on kind of what we were talking about before, Mm. I think it's pretty clear what our point is here, our main sort of thesis, which is that therapy can't fix everything and Mm. nor did it ever sort of purport to solve everything 
But it sounds like what this person is criticizing is that it's saying that it is. By just at the end, it's saying like instead it seems more focused on getting people diagnosed, medicated, and out the door. I think that's the system, right? That's that's how it's designed. Yeah, it's designed to to function that way. Okay. But the problem is that it's that's impractical. That's impractical and impossible because there's a, a complete normal human range of human suffering that whether there's a therapy in mental health psychiatric system or not, humans will continue to suffer. And so those are this is something called problems in living. And this is something that in our training, we're trained to keep an eye out for. And this has distinguished from what is the sort of a disorder or what is a classification of things that are outside the normal range of functioning. And so I know we've talked a little bit before, but like the human body responses. The very new, the very normal human body response. Exactly. So those are things that, that I would say actually are the equivalent of problems in living, right? So these are things like, yeah, it feels uncomfortable and a bit icky to have a hard conversation. Right. It, when you are housing insecure, like that causes stress. Right. When you don't know when your next, where your next food is coming from, of course that creates anxiety and stress. These are referenced as problems in living that any person in that situation would be feeling that way. And so that issue is a systemic problem. That is a, an infrastructure problem. That isn't something that therapy can solve at the individual level. And so... Wait. Mm. So are you saying is the critique you're kind of like turning it back by saying like, okay, hold on a second. People are coming to therapy because like Ooh, they're yeah. uncomfortable because for example, like their, you know, their mom yelled at them and it made them really anxious or whatever. And it's like coming to therapy because they don't want to feel anxious when their mom yells at them. But are you suggesting like, well, no, your mom yells at you. That's a very normal human body response Yeah, is to be anxious about that so our job here isn't to eradicate that feeling it's to help or you're nodding your head yes yes yeah i i I just think that this is such an important conversation right and the the first the first thing i would say is we have normal human reactions to things all the time right? right and so some people have just a wider range of how they react and how they respond. And some people's window is just a bit smaller. So there's there are human differences in our responses for sure. Right. But let's also remember what is the point of therapy and what is the purpose of doing therapy in general? Okay. The goal when you come to therapy is psychological change. The goal is for ind- an individual or perhaps a dyad, so two people, mm-hmm. or a family, so a group of people, okay. or in a group therapy, maybe yeah. like six to ten people. Okay, I thought you were going to say something funny. <laughs> like, you were going to <laughs> say a, a dyad, yeah. or a gaggle, yes. or a murder of yes. crows, yes. or a flamboyance of yes. flamingos. Yes. Yeah. Anytime a flamboyance of flamingos well, comes into the, therapy. <laughs> the purpose is psychological change. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> and so let's just recenter on the purpose of Me therapy. Me a flamboyant flamingo. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Squawk. Squawk. <laughs> the purpose of therapy is psychological change. Yeah, yeah. And you so said that. where psychological change is not the goal, that's yeah. not therapy. This okay. isn't therapy, mama. This isn't therapy is coming to therapy thinking that you want psychological change. Ooh, here's a good here's a good point and a good rebut to that. What? So a lot of people come to therapy to try to get someone else to change. So I, there's a ton of people that sit across mm-hmm. from me in the chair and they say, my brother, blah, 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 my boyfriend, blah, 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 my mom, blah, 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 blah. Right. And so they want to come and talk about all the people in their lives who won't go to therapy. That is often the case. Right. But what happens when they're the person in front of us and I don't know their mom, I don't know their brother. Yeah you can see how this becomes a bit of an impossible task, right? Which is that that's not something that they can change. 
Right. They can't change other people, right? Unless that person is in there in the room wanting to change, wanting right. to take part in that process. Unless you're having conversations with them or they're participating in a change process of their own, mm. I can't get that person to change just by being by their brother or partner being in therapy, right? Yeah, like you can't they're a piece of the this puzzle. You can't you don't have all the pieces. That's so right. how could you ever Yeah. That's right. And so now let's take that to a, a broader context, right? So when people are coming and describing, you know, the stress of financial, their financial situation, or perhaps the stress of surviving through homophobia, transphobia, racism, mm. all the isms. Yeah. That's one of those things, right? Where we're not actually there to erase those things because that is something that is bigger than the therapy room. Right. And so this question of can therapy solve everything I think it's a bit of a catch-22, right? It's because we can solve some things, but we can't solve everything. Mm. And so it's there. there is a ton of grief in this for me personally. There's a ton. I, I wish that were the case. I right. want that to be the case. I want to be able to go to my therapist and be like, hello, guru. Please, fix me. Please fix everything. fix everything in my life. Yeah. But we get a lot of people, right, who come to therapy who think that the goal of therapy is they're going to walk out of here mm-hmm. as this like, completely different person right with a completely different set of traits Mm. and therefore just becomes another project in perfectionism becomes just another rush towards i need my life to be perfect and therefore stress-free and free of the flaws that is really hard work yeah i can there's a couple things that you're bringing up that i'm like (sighs) Mm -hmm. i'm getting really frustrated yeah hearing and one of them is because our our relationship with therapy and feelings and mental health is so new and our feelings language is so poor and for so long it's been such a taboo thing it still is when we're still dealing with all of this stuff mm-hmm. it's still a uh, people are struggling in so many different ways there's a crisis of loneliness there's so many things floating around in the ether it feels like we're just fucking constantly set up to fail because then when we finally have this beacon of 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 yeah therapy now we're now we're now it's floating around the in the ether now we're allowed to have conversations about therapy now we're allowed to to talk to our parents for the first time about mental health a generation that just kind of hid it for so long Mm -hmm. but now we're being told that oh we're doing therapy wrong because we're coming to therapy asking for questions and answers for fixes and we're being told that that's not what it's for and it's so frustrating because it feels like we're constantly fucking behind yeah. So where do we go? Yeah. I'm so angry. Yeah. It, 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 well, it's because it's frustrating, right? That That is a very, here we are in this normal yeah. human reaction, right? To, you know, the, I kind of, I think back to uh, my therapy training school yeah. and coming upon this kind of concept of problems in living yeah. and kind of being, having this exact same reaction that you just had. The same reaction of like, wait, what? You mean the world isn't? built in everyone's likeness? You mean the world isn't perfect? You mean that not everyone wants a just society? Wait, you mean not everyone wants everyone to feel good and happy and calm and relaxed? I said, I genuinely had the reaction, like how could that be? You have to be lying to me. Yeah. I genuinely had a reaction of, wow, I was living in a very innocent and protected bubble. Right. And I think number one, that was a sign of the times. That was 10 years ago. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's... You know, we've come a long way in this society in terms of our thinking and enlightenment around that issue. However, it's frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating. So wait, so then how did you, why did you not walk away 
from being a therapist then? Because it sounds like right now, where we are at right now, I'm like, wow, we're pretty doom and gloom right now. Yeah. We're pretty like, what's the fucking point? I, number one, I, I have, I have to take a step back. I have to take a step back and depersonalize it and not center myself in the problems that are in the world. And so I think that that for me, Mm. even especially like in things like anything that I can't control, things that I don't have full control over, but I wish to have control over, that's a really healthy practice. And so the way that we do that is by understanding what is called our locus of control. Locus of control? Locus of control. L-O-C us. (laughs) L-O-C us. Yes, exactly. So people who operate from an internal locus of control are usually saying to themselves, I can make things happen and I have control over the outcomes that occur. Mm. So if you tackle problems with an internal locus of control, you're more likely to use what is called self-efficacy. You're higher in self-efficacy, meaning that I can action my own outcomes. And so that's things like, I can solve this problem. If something happens, I will be able to overcome it. Mm. Whatever comes my way, I feel like I can tackle, I can draw on my resources and my relationships and I will find a solution. Right. People who off or operate through an external locus of control, they have this view of the world that the world happens to them. Okay. And so they look at it as out of their control. So they they sort of see, you know, I am a I don't want to loosely use the term victim because I yeah. think that's very late in at these this current moment. But people who operate with an external locus of control feel as though they have no control over anything in their lives, right? And so that could be because that is true. Mm. There are many things outside their lives that are pushing against them, perhaps many systems pushing against them, which is very common in marginalized and oppressed communities. Mm -hmm. Or there's also people who don't see any sense of personal accountability and responsibility in moments where they can actually action their own outcomes. And so... Typically, what we try to do in therapy is to first do an assessment of where is the locus of control at this moment? Does it feel like it's in this person's control or is it out of their control? Is that like an objective thing that you do as a therapist to a client or is that something that the client has to decide on their own? Yeah, good question. It's a, it's a collaborative exercise where I picture just like a T-chart. Like for people at home who are listening, if you just do a T-chart in my control, not in my control, just write down a list. So any kind of feeling, any kind of stressor that's in your life, mm. any kind of like really difficult conversation or relationship, any situation that causes you, you know, distress or dysregulation, just write down in my control, not in my control. Mm. It is so much more healthy and it makes us feel healthy. It makes us feel a lot better when we're tackling the things on the left side of the column, things that are in our control. Mm. When we're working so hard, sometimes overworking, to solve things that are not in our control, that just becomes a really endless pursuit. It becomes really unproductive and it becomes really unhealthy to individually, for example, solve racism or individually, for example, try to change the weather. Those are things that are outside of our control and we will make ourselves really sick trying to fight those things on our own by ourselves. I hear what you're saying and I know what you're saying. I can also hear the collective sigh of like, well, what am I supposed to do? Not do anything yeah. because it's outside my control. So yeah. what are we supposed to do? Well, let's let's use segment two, I think, to talk about that. I think Ooh. I think that's a huge <laughs> segue. <laughs> segue. I do think that's a really big conversation right. and perhaps bigger than just a, for a podcast even. Yeah. Um. So let me, I would just invite us to think like, you know, let's try to tackle it but i think that it i think what you're asking is a very big question yeah though i do think that we can surface some actionable and 
helpful answers. Okay, let's do it. This isn't therapy, remember? This isn't therapy. This was never we, therapy. We can talk about whatever we want, Mary. Whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> okay, we'll be your B. Okay, bye. Okay. Uh, righty. Deep breath, Sam. We're going back down under. Okay, we're going back under. And okay. So what was your question again? Okay, so there, there's things that are inside our control, things that are outside of our control. And so things that are outside of our control, an example of it are systemic things, things that we truly are are happening to us. Yeah. And we are not the reason why they exist, nor should it be our individual responsibility to combat. However, as people who either are, you know, victims of this system, you're going to want to change it. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to fight back. But it's sounding like it's not within our control to fight back. Yeah. And but so, it's going to take a mental toll on us. So like all of these oh. things feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, t- you know, like with that information, you know, it's outside of my lotus of control. That doesn't change the fact that I'm experiencing racism. That's mm-hmm. not changing the fact that I'm experiencing homophobia. Right. Like I want to do more than just have like tools that I can like calm myself down <laughs> when I'm experiencing these things, you know, yeah. like have a bubble bath. And you'll be yeah. Fine. Like, no, yeah. I'm not going to self care yeah. my way out of this. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm yeah. not going to like toxic cut people out of my life. Mm-hmm. my way through life. Mm-hmm. So right? here's another way to think about it. If you think about um, uh, locus of control, yeah. we have our internal locus of control mm-hmm. and our external locus of control. Internal locus of control is more active, whereas external locus of control is more passive. So we're a bit more idle, we're a bit more passively kind of going through life when we're only going through life with an external locus of control fully. Mm-hmm. We have to move some of those things to become in in our control. An example of that is when you're surviving racism, one way you can get that back in your control to some degree, of course, is to take an active approach. So for example, you may attend a protest. Mm-hmm. You may write a letter to your MP. Right. You may, you know, post on something on social media that sort of saying. builds community around this issue. Right. Right. That's that that you're, you're using or drawing on your internal locus of control to do those actions and action those outcomes. But you know what you, you're just inadvertently telling us is that the whole idea of this thing is depersonalizing things that are outside of our control yeah. by just engaging one other person. Yeah. You're depersonalizing it. Ooh. Right? That was, yes, that, yes, that's exactly. I think that's Even if such it's a, a letter to your MP, yep. you're, you're now sharing it with someone else. Think about what life must be like for the people who are only engaging through life with an external locus of control. Yeah. Thinking that life is happening to me. Yeah. And that what do you think is the presentation of that person? Well, they come to understand or accept like that it's really hard, right, to move through life. Yeah. So that person is probably a lot more collapsed, probably a lot more frozen, probably a lot more stuck, mm-hmm. probably a lot like not seeing actions or outcomes not seeing any tangible solutions kind of in their midst. And so these are the people that come to therapy also. Mm. And so part of our work too in therapy is to help them not just see it differently, but help shift some of their locus of control to be able to figure out, okay, well, maybe it's not in your control, but is it in your influence? When it's in your direct circle of influence, that's actually really empowering. For example, when someone comes in and says, my mom keeps on saying this thing, mm-hmm. my mom keeps on making comments about my body or about what I'm eating, her comments are not in your control. Mm-hmm. That is true. However, what is in your influence is your ability to have a conversation with her. Your ability to go back and say, you know what, I actually am feeling really upset when you make that comment about me. That is you 
using your internal locus of control to solve mm-hmm. a problem that is in your external locus. Right. And so just like those same examples, we're trying to shift people towards internal locus of control through the lens, number one, of self-empowerment, right. but also from that place of self-efficacy, which is that I want to start to practice I can action my own outcomes and I can actually solve and build the life that I want to, mm. not just the one that I have to. Okay, let's zoom out back again. Let's bring it, let's put our focus back onto the original thesis of this episode, which was talking about this idea or this, I guess this is a little bit of a paradox where we're now in this space where it's saying like, hey, I thought therapy was supposed to fix everything. Mm-hmm. It's turning out it's not fixing everything. In the article, it sort of points out that it's like, you know, suicide rates are up 30%. We're in a crisis of loneliness, like mental health, like we're not getting better. So what is therapy actually doing? And you kind of retouched, you touched on the surface of the fact that like therapy was never supposed to be the end all of end alls. Yeah. And so now in segment two, I do want to pull up this one section of the article um, where it sort of talks about what we can do outside of the therapist's room, because it's not just up to the work that has to be done in the therapy room Ooh. that's going to make us, I don't know, love, happier? Love this. Healthier? Love this conversation. <sighs> so important. Okay. So I'm calling this next section outside the therapist door. <laughs> Oops. I love your title. <laughs> Thanks. Um, it's original. And it goes like this. Improving mental health at a scale, in Sol agrees, requires the system to look beyond the therapist couch. Uh, incel, I'm assuming that's a person. <laughs> and not not one of those I- incels. Right. <laughs> it's spelled I-N-S-E-L for those keeping track at home. Uh, this person co-founded a startup focused on community-based behavioral care. Love. Yeah. Seemingly non-medical solutions like improving access to affordable housing, education, and job training, building out community spaces and peer support programs, and increasing the availability of fresh food and green space can have a profound effect on well-being as can simple tools like mindfulness and movement. Patients like Manchusco are hungry for an approach that goes even further, yes. one that recognizes the influence of the world beyond their therapist's door and focuses not on medication, but on real-world improvement and understanding. That kind of care isn't always the default as... F- as Wait, hold on. Ava. That kind of care isn't always the default f- of a for-profit system struggling to meet demand but believes it's what's necessary to see improvements in mental health as both a national and personal level. I hear the both and in this. Yeah, me I too. Do. Holding many things are true at the same and time. Right now, I think I've unlocked for me what this article potentially wanted to say, which was we have to stop going to therapy for fixing all our problems. And thinking as if like that's going to be the catch-all solution. Which right? is not. Which is not. And yeah. I think that that is one of the other things that keeps people trapped in a cycle of going to therapy in this like sort of revolving door sort of style of therapy, which is like, I keep on going, I keep on having the conversations, I keep yeah. talking about the thing that's stressing me out and why is any of it changing? And so as a side note, and there was a reference to medication just in the, the um, script that Simon read. And that's because a lot of this article was talking about how um, the psychiatric system also uses medication as like therapy, as one of those sort of catch-all solutions to erase problems in living. Right. And so I think that that is a really important point. And I think it's a question I constantly revisit, which is that like, well, therapy never promised actually to solve 
the world's problems. Therapy as a profession was never built to actually, you know, erase hardship or to mm. create this whole system of like eternal and endless bliss. That was just never what it promised to solve. Right. And so what is in our control in the therapy room is helping people engage in a process of psychological change. And it's funny, even like the profession, my profession of social work, it started to undo the effects of capitalism. That's actually the origin story of a lot of psychological change programs um, and professions, which is mm -hmm. that like we are, we're actually there to undo some of the problems created by other systems that create problems. Right. So it's but a it bit sounds like this article is saying that, but now it's become its own system. Now exactly. Underneath exactly. The, you know, the umbrella of capitalism. Exactly. And so mm -hmm. I think that we're, um, we're so woke. <laughs> We are. <laughs> We're so smart. Efficacy using words like efficacy. <laughs> efficacy, like come on, go and go and requote that in a meeting. Yeah, efficacy. <laughs> I, I listen to this as in therapy. Yeah, they were talking about efficacy. efficacy. Can someone quote us in one of their meetings? <laughs> yeah, they were talking about efficacy, which means like actioning your own outcomes. Yeah, and I'm like personally like getting a lot better at my own self efficacy. I so I love that. <laughs> In this meeting, I would like yeah. to show you that I'm actioning this outcome yeah. and ending the meeting. <laughs> as an empath, I support you. As a bugging support you. And so I think for me, like it just becomes this bigger, broader conversation, right? And I think we've had this conversation a ton on this podcast, which is that like when we take one thing as a solution for everything, that is where we get ourselves stuck, right? That's the same kind of problem of like, can my partner be everything to me in my life? Well, no, that's not the case, right. Mary. And that's also why your therapist can't solve all your problems. Mm. Unfortunately, that is a hard truth to hear. Right. But I think it's a necessary thing to talk about because otherwise then we find ourselves in cycles with clients who are coming and dropping this like, you know, big ball in our lap saying okay now now fix it now solve it and then i hand it back to them and say i that's not my ball that's yeah that's yours to solve i think and so that's a really difficult conversation of what is the purpose of therapy and therefore what are the parameters of what therapy can solve okay so knowing that if we're sort of taking away from this episode and this conversation that therapy isn't the only place to be solving all of your problems the be all and end all yes so where should we be directing our gaze oh g-a-z-e yes <laughs> where should we be directing you know i have a a very important mantra that i use in times like this live <laughs> laugh love love <laughs> live laugh lovely listeners yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know I tell myself, you know, this isn't just a personal problem and it's not my job to do this on my own. Mm. And as humans, we need each other. Find the helpers. Find, <laughs> find the help, Mr. Rogers. Find the helpers. Find the helpers. No, I, I genuinely like when I find or feel like there's something that is completely out of my control, mm -hmm. I look for the things. Okay, how can I come back to an internal locus of control? And when I can't, well, guess what? That's because it's beyond me. That's beyond my ability to do it by myself. And I really would love to see us get out of that like rugged individualism approach to life where it's like I just have to rough it and do it all by myself. Right. And so that's where I draw on relationships. We need other people in our lives in order to be healthy. But I also think about like even just that that thing of like, sure, I can identify this is beyond my control. But I think some people get overwhelmed 
too. Like they get, I think my part of my experience too is also I get a little frozen. Yeah. Right. But I get, I get stuck in indecision. Like I, I think of all the things I need to be doing, but I don't do all the things I should be doing. Relatable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's so, very... especially with these big overwhelming things, like even just the conversation we had today, right. About like, what are we supposed to do with all this stuff that's happening in the war, in the world, <clears throat> the wars that are happening, the wars, plural, wars, plural, correct. Right. Like, how am I supposed to engage? How am I supposed to show up? And you think that there's all these ways I'm supposed to do it, right? I'm supposed to take this stance on social media. I'm supposed to go to this protest. I'm supposed to make this donation. And if I don't do those things, I'm not doing it correctly. So then I don't do anything at all. And then you feel worse about it. So how are we supposed to then take, I don't know, if you are like me and you get frozen by like, the indecision of not doing the thing because it feels so overwhelming so because it's so much beyond your control but it also feels like a fucking cop-out to be like i can't do anything because i'm overwhelmed wah, wah. <laughs> because i'm yeah. i'm overwhelmed well, and then you have those thoughts of like well this isn't about you mary well i think so, we also have to remind ourselves though like we all respond to crisis differently and mm-hmm. we all have different reactions in times of stress right and so whatever your reaction is that is your reaction, right? So the first step, the only way you can move out of it is to first acknowledge that and get to know that reaction. But at the same time, maybe our goal right here isn't to be, you know, the most perfect, precious ally at this time. Many people are just simply getting through, right? Simply surviving, simply getting through the day and getting through this moment. And so this isn't the time for perfection. It's certainly not the time to be unearthing all this extra stuff and creating all this expectation about how I'm supposed to be reacting to crisis happening around the world and even in our immediate lives, right? And I think Mm. we put so much pressure on ourselves to show up perfectly. And the way that people are showing up is the way that they're showing up. And so forcing people to show up a certain way or creating all this new norms around like this is what you have to say or this is what you have to think. Mm. You know, I I hear I hear all that. I think all that's really important that we stand with each other and we create community around these issues. Very, very important. And as a side note, what is happening in the world is absolutely horrifying. It's awful. Mm-hmm. And any innocent lives lost is not good. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is a pressure. There's a pressure to show up in the right, most perfect way. Mm-hmm. And what I kind of default back to, regardless of my beliefs, regardless of, you know, whatever kind of slogan people are wanting us to say, I think that what we have to remember is that he, like he, we're all human, right? And I think that we're losing the plot. We're losing the plot. And when we lose the plot, it's usually because we're in survival mode. And so now is not the time to create more separatism or more polarization, more tribalism. This is the time to come together, to recenter, like what do we all want here and how do we come together during moments of hardship? Mm -hmm. That is the way forward. That's how we're going to get through this. And so this is sadly also not the time to engage in a process of healing, right? This is a time of crisis and it's a time where people are literally just surviving Mm. what is occurring, right? And it's in the future generations that the healing will occur. Big, big, heavy stuff. Yeah, very big. And, and, and by no means do I, I suggest to be an expert, which is actually why personally my response has been to be in the passenger seat in a place of learning. 
I think that we all have a different role in a change ecosystem. Mm-hmm. When we're all working towards change and transformation, we all have a different job to do. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm personally doing a ton of holding space and a ton of processing with my clients. People are bringing it up to me. I'm bringing it up with my clients. We're talking about it. We're bringing it into the room. And this is a moment where collectively where a lot of people are trying to process at the same time that they're just trying to make it through and survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the the look that you're giving me on that is so is so highly relatable, and I think that it is, it's just a really hard time to be human at this time, right? And I I don't think that there are solutions, mm-hmm. um, but because there is no one solution, I think that gives us the opportunity to actually just figure out the many solutions that we'll draw on during any moment of like really immense difficulty, mm. and so here's. If just we kind of tie it back, the sort of kind of concept of like, can therapy fix everything? If the purpose of coming to therapy is to engage in psychological change, change work is the hardest work that we will do as humans. We are creatures of habit and we want things to be familiar and safe and comfortable. And so doing change work is really challenging. And so I often think like in therapy, everyone wants transformation, but no one wants to change. And that's because change is so, so challenging. And so even though, even when we want change, it's really challenging to make changes. And so it may not fix everything, but I think change is entirely possible in the therapy room. And it's slow. That it's, was a, That's a whole section of the article that we didn't talk about. And I think when you talk about the... We're running out of time. And we, we said at the beginning that we don't have enough time to have this whole conversation. And we have no <laughs> idea where this episode is going. We're no. Like, we're like, can it fix everything? Can it fix everything? <laughs> no, but I, I will. Why don't we button off this conversation with just the. Um, Another Jakey monologue. Yeah. Go. Three, two, one. <laughs> lights up. Okay. Cue music. From the beginning of time. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Keep going. Um. No, that's it. Let's why don't we button it up? With why don't we? Why don't we? Why don't we just stop yeah. talking <laughs> and let's go into our final segment? All right, let's do it. Let's take a breather. Okay. 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 If you didn't pause at that pause break, holy, and just take a break and go for a walk, holy, go for a, run, go for a jump in a pool. A Hol- cold pond, perhaps. Holy Hannah. If Han- you're north of the hemisphere. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Holy Hannah. Holy Hannah is right. Holy Hank and Henry. Holy that Hank is- and Henry and Hannah. Holy, holy, holy. Yeah, we, okay, we went there. We went there. Yeah. I, but I think we did answer it. We, I think we came to a really healthy conclusion. Which um, was? <laughs> no, um, I'm kidding. Can therapy fix everything? Meh. It, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Figure it out. No, but I think I think what's interesting is that when we talked about this in another episode with the importance of community health and like our social health and mm-hmm. how it's declining, we've done a couple of episodes about this. And I think I was one of like the the come outs of the of that article, which was saying like, yeah, we need to invest in other things that are like directly impact our our the betterment of our health. Totally. Like green spaces and good food and affordable yes. housing. Therapy can't fix those things. Yes, but yes, I can yes. see. So, to the very nature of the question, can therapy fix everything? The answer is no. Retweet that. 
but it was never supposed to fix everything. Reacts that. Reacts that. <laughs> Re-X. Triple X that. Reacts that. Exactly. Da-na, na-na, na-na. Na-na, na-na. Anyway, so now we're in our final segment of the podcast, which is the section of the podcast where we like to resurface. That's right. It's the finale. The grand finale. <laughs> yes. This is the part of the pod where we chat through an everyday dilemma big... Or? Or small. Mm-hmm. You know, we do love therapy on this pod, but we, do. we don't always have to take every single problem to a therapist. No, That's we don't. What we, we keep on saying that. We, we just, literally keep saying that. Sometimes you just kind of talk it out with some friends or share it to us on the pod <laughs> for, for us to, to answer and goop and gag over it. All right. So this is our end segment. Called? Asking for a friend. Ah, that jingle. Did you like my liquid R, the for a friend? The for a friend. For liquid a... R, is that what you said? My liquid R. How yeah. about my condensation S? Fucking <laughs> 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 hot. Okay, so on today's Asking for a Friend, we had, a, we had first off, thank you all for submitting all of your Asking for Friends. That is first and foremost. Yeah, we are getting yeah. so many and it's so uh-huh. wonderful and we're, we're making our way. We're making our way through them. We literally are reading all of them being like, how do we choose and where do we start? Where do yeah. we begin? We may just have to do an Asking for a Friend episode. I think we'll do, well, I think we should. Oh my gosh. Stay tuned. So many good questions. So on today's Asking for a Friend, a lovely listener asks... What's a really underrated resource for mental health that isn't therapy? Number one. This podcast. This fucking podcast. Hello, Mary, Tina, Hello, Tammy, and Tanya. Hi, welcome back to the This Isn't Therapy <laughs> It's like Dollywood, <laughs> except we don't have budget. Honestly, that is therapeutic. That voice is buttery. Dolly Parton. Biscuit. That is a really <laughs> lovely therapy. <laughs> so my answer, Simon's voice. Yeah, yeah. What is something that is therapeutic that is not therapy? Um, singing, dancing, <laughs> swaying in the breeze. Honestly, that honestly? probably is my answer. Honestly. Honestly, pig. Honestly, pig. That yeah. is literally my answer is laughing. I, I, could you imagine if... God herself took away your ability to laugh, then what would happen? Um, I would just go... (laughs) (laughs) Just like... (laughs) Like there's something supposed to be here. It would just be like a whoopee cushion. It's like... (gasps) With a hole. Yeah. Uh, Laughing. Could you imagine if she took away your voice? No. To laugh? Like Ariel? (laughs) Oh, is that the premise of Little Mermaid? Yeah. Um, if, if we couldn't laugh, that would be a really sad day on This Isn't Therapy. I think so. And if the people that were with us weren't laughing, that would be a really awkward day on This Isn't Therapy. <laughs> yeah, if it's just you and I laughing. <laughs> if it's just us giggling back and forth. But I kind of love that, to be honest with you. I know. I, I think you giggle, but I chuckle. <clears throat> it depends. I default to a giggle, but you absolutely... I, I am a chuckler. You you break out into an, an I old go, man. I go... Okay, so laughing. That's okay, underrated. Laughing is mine. Underrated. Underrated. What's an underrated resource for your mental health that isn't therapy? Um, I w- Is this a cop-out if I just say like talking to people? I thought you were going to say dogs. <laughs> oh, dogs. I'm going to change my dog. Honestly, no. So many underrated dogs i would say one let's rapid fire them okay okay okay. so dogs talking talking women talking women (laughs) talking women talking to sarah polly so you're saying you hate women so you hate women um i would say 
Video games? Video games. Okay, not for me, but underrated for resource you. for your mental health. An underrated resource for your mental health. Done. Um, video games. Sticking your hand out of a window while you're driving and doing that thing where you're riding the breeze. Oh, that's like an indie. That's like an indie film thing. Very. That's what film. the indie film girls do. Um, oh, yeah. b- board game nights. Board we, game nights. We did that. We did that. We played the color game. We did. That was very fun. And we solved a murder mystery. And we also laughed. We did laugh. And we did solve crimes. You're right. Mm. Wow, two gays solving crimes. That's fucking chocolate. Chocolate. As I put this piece of chocolate. This piece, this of, piece Toblerone. of Toblerone. If anyone out there works for Toblerone, connect us, please. My God, I love Toblerone. I'm still pointing at you. I will do a free I've ad. Been, yes, exactly. I've been pointing at you for the past like five minutes, just rapid firing ther- this these therapeutic up. things. Um. Okay, but all to say to wrap to wrap asking for Brenda up. What's an underrated resource for your mental health that isn't therapy? There's a lot. There's so many good ones that are therapeutic, but may not be therapy themselves. Right. That's right. And so starting and ending with this podcast, if you like what you heard, yeah, get in touch. Yeah. And Comment. if you want to, and if you want to submit to her and asking for a friend, listen, we got a couple of DMs to our direct messages yeah. to our inboxes yeah which we love thank you yeah. so much however the best way to submit for asking for a friend is not a dm it's actually through the very fancy google form that is our link in bio very on our instagram yeah. and or if you go down to our show notes you will and see a slash link there. or and slash or yeah um so if you send us a dm we'd love to hear from you but the best way to submit your asking for a friend question if you have a quandary a query a question or story you just want to share in this lovely new segment Go to the link in bio, click it, fill out the form. That's right. You'll love it. So if you like what you heard, mm-hmm. please get in touch. Please comment, like, subscribe. Mm-hmm. Tell us how much you love us. Send us fan art. Uh, all of the above. Yes. And more than all of that. We'll None see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More than all of that. Come back next week. Yeah. <laughs> to see what other kind of chaos we get up to. All right. Can I finally put this dark one in my mouth? Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, okay. Two, one. Hang up. Bye. Why did we clap? Oh, we don't have a clap. Crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs>